Good morning, everybody. God is so good. He's really great. So I want to thank you, everyone, for being here today. Uh, you're welcome in this place every Sunday. I think we make God smile when we come to church and, and we, we just tell him, you know, how much we need him. So before I start my message, I would like to open up at least three minutes. Uh, we've been praying for every one of you uh, before the service and also, you know, during the week. And I would like to know if anybody has like a praise report that you would like to share, uh, that you can do it in 30 seconds, you know, what, is, what was your request, how God answered. Does anybody have um, a praise request, anything that God has done with you? I know some of you got had answers prayers, but I'm not going to make you come here. Or, but Anybody? You're going to leave the service today very sad that you didn't come forward. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank God uh, publicly because one of my prayers is that God continues to protect my family in El Salvador. Um, as some of you know, um, uh, my family goes through some type of extortion uh, that they have to pay to some gang uh, on, a, on a monthly basis just because my brother-in-law has a business. So gangsters, you know, show up at his place of employment to collect money. And uh, if they don't pay it, they've been threatened that, that they're going to get killed. But... Um, God has protected them, and uh, we're just, I'm just thank you, and I want to praise God for that. Okay? Anybody else? Okay, Malati. Awesome. That's great. Hey, you didn't applaud for my praise report. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody else? Thank you, Malati. Anybody else? Okay, so I need uh, like two or three couples, volunteers. So let me see. Why don't you guys, the four of you guys come forward. I'm just going to ask you a question. It's very easy. Don't worry. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. And then um, I need another couple who can come forward. Another couple? Anybody? All right. Let's give it up for these young couples. Amen. So the question I want to ask you today is just real quick. Um, how did you guys meet? Number one. And number two, especially the guys, what were the things that you guys did to increase the communication? What reasons? What excuses? What did you do to look for communication with the person that you marry? Okay, so um, you can't lie, so you have to be honest. <laughs> okay, let's start right here with Adam. What did you do to, when you met Sarahi, uh, what, in what ways, what did you do to have communication with her? Uh, what, I don't know, plans, reasons, excuses, uh, how you met her? Yeah, so um, Sari works for my mom. So, um, so I started visiting my mom's office a lot more, <laughs> and it was 
Sadi was actually the photographer at um, Richard and Ann's engagement party. Um, so me and a bunch of my friends the day after were going to go ice skating at Pershing Square. Um, so I told her, you know, you should come. And she said yes, and then I uninvited everybody else. So um, there was lots of time for communication. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you, Adam. Uh, what kind of things did you do to increase communication with, with Adam? I mean, you, you knew he was visiting your mom's place of employment because, you know, he, he always had a, like a good reason to go, right, every day? I mean, I didn't know initially, but yes. <laughs> and w once we started going out, um, texting a lot, we would meet up for coffee maybe four times a week. We'd have dates weekly. We talked on the phone a lot. We don't really talk on the phone anymore. <laughs> we talked on the phone a lot. <laughs> so, yes. Give it up for this couple. Thank you. Now, guys, come over here. So how did you guys meet, and what did you do? What kind of things did you do to look for communication or to ways to improve communication? Um, what, what happened? We're going to go with the guys first and then the ladies, okay? Um, we met at Barney's Beanery. Uh, we, were we were playing pool, and um, I approached her, and I, and I asked for her number. I lied to her, and I told her I can do her hair, but I only do men's hair. But... Uh, it was it was just an excuse to get her number. Once I got her number, we started texting, and I was just making her laugh and stuff. But what we uh, she she's not a big communicator. She's very uh, quiet and keeps to herself. So uh, Pastor Raya helped with that. So we reached out and we got some uh, you know some counseling and stuff. And she's opened up more now. She talks more now. So. So what kinds of, uh, how did this communication develop? Um, were you uh, excited to receive any phone calls, text messages? What did you perceive his communication was? Like, how hard was he trying to communicate with you? Um, so we met and I thought he could cut my hair. I'm like, okay, you can cut my hair. So the next day he was like, um, hi, hi, Krista, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. Um, so he just invited me to his um, friend's pool party. So I was like, okay, because I didn't have plans that day. I was with my friend. So we went and we did a pool party and it just, we moved on the first day we met. And then, yeah, I just I just felt like I could like open up to him now with Pastor Rhea's help and it's, it's like really good. Right, thank you. Give it up for them. Thank you, guys. So Pastor Rhea, huh? So how was the communication? What did he do to increase the communication with you? And Nino, how, how do you guys meet? Like, what kind of things did you do to increase the communication with <coughs> I met her in church. We, we, were, we grew up together, actually, in church and family. And uh, so I've known her for a long time. But when she left for college, I realized I missed something in the circle. And then I called her and said, hey, you know, let's get together. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And she said, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I actually met him when I was nine. 
And I was like, I had like this divine knowledge. Oh, he's really cute. I like him. I don't know if nine-year-olds can have crushes, but I think they can because I had a crush on him. I told his sister when I was nine. So it was definitely divine providence. But um, I think one of the biggest parts of our communication development was when I, because he asked me to date him when I was in college. So it was a long-distance relationship. And I think that totally was a gift from God because we miss each other, but I didn't have as much of a distraction because he wasn't physically around. Um, so I think that also helped us to grow closer with each other because all we had was our voices, you know, to talk to each other and Skype and stuff. So I think we're, we're getting there with communication. All right. Thank you. Give it up for them, please. So communication, communication, uh, it's so important as you can, as you heard, you know, some of them, um, you know, like Adam, he's, he's sincere. Thank you, Adam. Uh, look for ways to go visit his mom, you know, and, and stay Sarahi. And then my friend had to come up with a different strategic plan so that she will go and, and uh, they develop communication. My friends over here. Uh, they didn't see each other very much, you know, physically, but, you know, that communication still existed. And the reason why I bring this up, because the same way we need that communication to take a relationship to a higher level, that's the same way we need communication with God to take our relationship to the next level. You cannot take your relationship to the next level with God if we do not increase your level of communication with him. So I have a, a message that I want to share today. But first of all, I want to remind you of a few verses that we have been reading in the scripture lately. The first one, I want to remind you about the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, where Jesus, and when we shared this message a few weeks ago, uh, Jesus was practically saying to the disciples and the people, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. So what, would, what Jesus was saying was, if you read the whole context of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was saying basically that prayer is not an option. Prayer is not a choice. Prayer is a necessity. Prayer, you need to pray as much as you can. As a matter of fact, the Bible says do not stop praying. Do not cease praying. Always try to increase your communication level with God so that your relationship with God can increase. I'm going to tell you that this morning, the more you communicate with God, the more you will fall in love with God. The more you will fall in love with the things that he likes. You're going to get to know each other so much that it'll be very, very, very hard to go through a breakup with God because you will know and you will understand how much he loves you and how much he looks for ways to communicate with you, to speak to you, as well as for you to speak to him. So we know that in order to increase our level of communication, we need to pray. And Jesus was saying, as a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus, if you read the whole chapter, you will realize that Jesus, he was not saying that praying in public is bad. He was not saying that. He was just saying that some people 
back in the day used to use praying in public as a matter of attracting attention to themselves and making themselves known as people of prayer. And Jesus was not saying, you know, praying in front of a lot of people, that's not good. What Jesus was saying is private prayer is very important. When you pray, when you talk to God, you know, you will do it in this way. We also read uh, a couple of weeks ago Proverbs 19.21 where the Bible says that many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose, you know, that prevails. As we pray, as we communicate with God, we, we need to realize that no matter how good your plan is for your own life, the plan that God has for your life is much better than the best plan that we can ever come up for ourselves or for others. So when we pray, you have to take into account that your idea of your future, your idea of the plan that you want to do or what you want to become in life, God still has a plan that is much greater than that. He wants you to develop your full potential, but he wants you to do it his way, not our way. So when we pray Proverbs 19.21, we need to take into account that when we ask for God to bless us, to make a way, to open doors, to help us get a promotion in our jobs, to finish up our careers, we always need to be looking for his plan, and we'll do that through prayer. And what is his plan? What is his purpose? Jeremiah 29, 11, a verse that you know very well, Jesus or God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and to give you a future. So later on in Jeremiah 29, verse 12 and 13, God continues to say, and when you pray to me, when you seek after me, I will listen to you and I will answer to you. And whatever you are, I will bring you close to me so that you can get to know me more and I can um, do that awesome plan that I have for you. So we already know that God has this awesome plan for us. We already know that, you know, it's uh, that God wants us to pray. We already know that, you know, when we go to God, uh, we already know that he has plans for us. And we can pray for those plans. But many times in our prayers, the Bible also says that sometimes we do not receive because we do not know how to ask. In the letter of James, chapter 4, verse, chapter four, verse 3, says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Um, a few years ago, I had this man, you know, who got saved uh, from the community. And, uh, you know, we were praying and uh, there were maybe like 40 people together. We, we were, we were uh, making a line, you know, for prayer requests. And people were coming, you know, to share their prayer requests. And when he came to me and I asked him, what is your prayer request? He said, Pastor, um, I want everybody to pray for me so that I can win the lotto. Um, and I said, you want to win the lotto? And he said, yes. Uh, you know, if God can just give me like a million dollars, I promise you that I will buy a house for you and I will buy you a new car. So I was like, oh, I like that prayer request. Uh, but then I asked him, you know, before praying, I said, uh, number one, are you purchasing the tickets? And he said, no. Okay, and then I asked him, if God gives you a million dollars, are you willing to pay your tithes, you know, out of that million? Meaning that $100,000 will not go for you, but will go for the church. 
And then he said, uh, 100 out of a million. Yeah, that's tight. That's the 10%. And he said, um, yeah, yeah. I, but he didn't sound that convincing. So sometimes, you know, we may ask for things that the Lord wants to give you, but the motives that we have in our hearts are not 100% aligned with what he wants to do in our lives. So today I want to share with you from the book of Matthew uh, chapter 6 because I want to share with you a little bit about the priorities of prayer. Do you know, uh, just like these couples share, and I wanted to ask them, you know, maybe more questions, but because of time I couldn't. But don't you feel like sometimes, you know, when you have a relationship, uh, it's kind of hard to get to know the other person when the other person just talks about themselves. Have you ever had friends, you know, like that, that when you, when you uh, get across or you talk to them, you run into them, uh, they, they start talking about themselves. They don't even ask you, how are you? They're just talking, oh, yeah, me, you know, I'm doing this, and, and I was going through this stuff, and, and there's like a half an hour, and you're listening and listening, but, but they, don't, they don't take the time, you know, to even ask you, you know, how are you doing? So we need to know what the priorities in prayer are so that we can be more successful in prayer. So Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is not only telling the disciples or the people private prayer is important. It will help you to get to know God. It will help you increase your relationship with God. It will help you love God more. But Jesus is saying this is how you pray. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and on says, this is then this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our day, our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this awesome opportunity that we have to read the scriptures. Thank you for providing a way of communication, a way to increase our level of love and commitment and relationship with you, a way to get to know you more, Lord God, through prayer. We know prayer is talking to you, sharing, Lord God, our lives, and get to know you more, Lord God. But we thank you for showing us, Lord God, priorities in prayer, how we should pray, how we should approach you, Lord God. So we thank you, and I pray today, Lord God, that we will continue to love prayer, that we will continue to increase our passion for prayer. And no matter how tired we are, how busy we are, that we take the time to love you and get to know you more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So prayer, it's a way to talk to God. And I want to speak about some basics of prayer because a lot of times, you know, especially non-believers, uh, non you know, when start visiting the church, they don't understand how we pray sometimes. So let's start with the basics. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is telling God how you feel. Prayer is opening your heart so that you can share with God, you know, verbally or in your mind uh, how you feel and the things you need. Prayer is not intended 
for us to make God, uh, you know, like an ATM card, uh, when you go to an ATM machine, you know, you need $20 to swipe uh, or a credit card. Uh, God doesn't work like that. Prayer is a way of communicating and get to know God. But when it comes to prayer, you know, like James said, uh, sometimes we do not receive because we don't have the right motives, you know, when we pray. So how can we define when we have the right motives? The disciples, it's not that they did not know how to pray because let me tell you, the Old Testament is full or filled with a lot of examples of different types of prayers. You know, for example, you know, with Hezekiah, we were studying a couple of weeks ago, when King Hezekiah, when he was going to die, and when he prayed, the Bible says that he turned to the wall and he started reminding God, you know, saying, God, just remember that, you know, I tried to do the things right. I have tried to walk in your ways, do your commandments. And then the way God responded was through uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, yes, I know that, but I'm going to answer your prayer, not because because of the good works that you have done, but because of my servant David, a covenant that God has done with David, that God was going to be with every single king and give them, you know, like uh, a long life. Um, and at the end, Jesus was going to be the final king. We also have the prayer of Elisha, Elijah, Moses, and so on. So the disciples asked Jesus, so Jesus, how should we pray? And then Jesus started saying uh, three things that we need to include in our prayers. Number one, uh, Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will will be done. So Jesus talks about three petitions concerning the glory of God. Number one, Jesus in this prayer is showing us that we need to be concerned about the reputation of the Father when we start praying. Jesus said in the prayer, uh, our Father in heaven, it's the first title, you know, that we use when we pray. A few years ago, um, I identified myself so much with this scripture because a few years ago, I was in a youth camp, you know, in the state of Montana. And there were like about 600 teenagers uh, from like nine years old all the way to 18 and uh, we would have services, you know, every night. There was an evangelist, and uh, the word was very good. We would pray for a long time after the message. And we would finish, you know, the service like about 9 p.m. And then the staff, you know, would stay after the service. And I noticed that one of those days, there, there was a kid who was like about 9 or 10 years old, and he was at the altar. Um, he was, you know, on his knees, and he was crying. And, and he spent a lot of time crying. And I was observing, you know, that kid from the distance. Nobody would come to him. So about 45 minutes, you know, after the service, I decided to go. And I sat down next to him and I put my hands on his shoulder. And I started to pray for him. And I asked him if, if he was okay. Uh, he looked at me. He had a lot of tears in his face, his eyes. And he said, yes. And I said, why, why are you crying so much? And then he said, oh, because um, I just talked to God and God responded. And I said, really? And I said, what did you talk about God about? And this kid said, I just asked God, how should I call him? Because I don't know, everybody uses different names, so I don't know how to call him. 
so I asked Kyle what his favorite name was, and the kid said, I asked him, so what did God say to you? You know, what is God's favorite name? And he said, God told me that calling him the father, he likes that. And I said, wow, that's great. That's great. And you know what? I believe that little kid because that's what the Bible says. Jesus said, uh, our father who is in heaven, and Jesus, Jesus showed us that the reputation of God of who is God, what other people think about God is very important for him. The second sentence says, hallowed be your name or sanctified be your name. Uh, how we approach God in prayer, you know, letting him know what we think about him. And a lot of times, you know, when we pray, many times, not, our, not all the time, but many times, you know, we come to prayer and we just start asking God, you know, for what we need. And God wants to know, you know, what we need. He wants to hear what we desire, and that is great. But the way Jesus, you know, developed this model of prayer, he said, when you pray, go to the Father, you know, speak to him and tell him how beautiful he is. He is holy. Uh, take time to praise him. Take time to let God know who he is, who do you think God is, who you think God is in your life. And I think it's so awesome because, you know, these couples, just share right now that when they started approaching, you know, the person that they like, uh, some of them, you know, look, look for excuses, you know, to get to that person. Another one, you know, they knew from a long time ago that they already like each other, but there were things about that person that they like. I think, I know it works in other cultures, you know, like for example, my grandma, uh, my grandfather never asked my grandma out. Um, it's, it's a total different story, you know, like a different culture, you know, when my grandma was outside, you know, sitting, and I'm talking maybe like about 80, 90 years ago, imagine, um, my grandpa, you know, was walking by, and my grandma says that my grandpa told my grandma, uh, hey, do you want to be my wife? And that was the first statement that he said, and my grandma looked at him, checked him out, and she said, yes. So they went into the house, and my grandpa went down, downtown, not downtown, but the, because it was a town. He went to a store. He got groceries because that was the custom of the day. Uh, he got a bunch of groceries, took, took them to my, to my grandmother's parents, and then he said, I'm going to take your daughter with me today. And, you know, because people love food in that town, and they saw the food. They said, okay. Uh, you, you can take her, and that was it, you know. And they had about 15 kids. So I have a lot of cousins all over the place that I don't even know now. You know, I, I only see them, you know, when they appear in, in Facebook, and they say, hey, we're cousins, you know, because of this uncle. And I'm like, really? Uh, okay. So, but anyways, so that's the way, you know, in a lot of cultures, different times, get to know each other. But usually relationships start, you know, when you're telling the person the good things that you believe about them, the good things that you like about them. And I think it's great, it's awesome, you know, when Jesus says, when you pray, our Father who is in heaven, he says, hallowed be your name. Tell him that he is holy. Tell him how beautiful he is. It's awesome, it's great, you know, when we come to prayer and I start hearing people just telling God, God, I love you. God, you are beautiful. You know, a lot of times 
we don't think that God has feelings and emotions, but he does. Remember that the scripture says that we are made into his image. Don't you think that God loves to hear from us how much we love him, how much we like him, how much he means for us? And Jesus is practically saying, use these titles, you know, tell God how holy he is, how beautiful he is. And then when you pray, there's another petition, let your kingdom be established. That's God's priority. God's priority is that, that he can be known by everybody, and we should make that a priority in our prayer as well. You know, when we pray, God, let your kingdom be a reality in the community. Bring people from the community. Bring my coworkers. Bring, you know, my relatives. When we start praying about other people's salvations, we're actually praying about what God likes, what he enjoys listening he enjoys listening that we put him and we put other people as a priority before our needs because the Bible says that he already knows what we need. So not only that, but Jesus said for his will to be accomplished, the Bible says you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I think it's a, it's a great, great, great statement when we come to prayer and when we ask God and when we say, Lord, let your will be done. Just right now, um, at 3 p.m. today, um, I have a friend in El Salvador who, he's a pastor, and he was traveling with his wife to a town with another pastor, and they had an accident uh, in the freeway, and their car flipped over several times and ended up, you know, in a river, caught on fire, and my friend was able to get out of the car and the other pastor as well, but his wife stay in the car and he started burning. So my friend, uh, he used his hands to try to, to you know, uh, extinguish the fire. Uh, they were taken to the hospital. He, uh, she was in a coma for three days. Um, he came out of the hospital, but she stayed there. And people were praying, you know, for, for God to do a miracle. But... I, I don't know how she didn't lose consciousness, but the way she would pray, you know, during this time was, God, let your will be done. Let your will be done. And so many people from different countries of the world who know this couple, you know, they all got together, started praying. Um, and then just a couple of days ago, you know, she, she passed away. And, uh, but during all this time, you know, I see my friend praying and glorifying God and giving praises to God. Even the children, you know, who, who are a little small, uh, they seem to be affected. But it is so wonderful, you know, when those of us who know the Lord, we already know that his will goes above our will. Sometimes we may not like it. Sometimes we may disagree. But he knows better. He knows the best. So when we say your will be done, we are asking God to move in this planet, to move in this earth, to move in our church, to move in our family in the way that he thinks, you know, it is the best. Also, another thing that I really like about this prayer, verse 11, uh, Jesus said, give us today our daily bread. It's very important to know this because, you know, Jesus didn't say, and I'm not saying that being rich is bad. Uh, I personally would like to be rich, you know, someday. Uh, 
And as a matter of fact, God says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 14 that he is the one that gives you the ability to create wealth. But do you notice that Jesus didn't ask for wealth? He said, give us our daily bread. Give us what we need for today. And I think in a way it's because, you know, Jesus doesn't want us to be stressing out too much about the future. Jesus cares, you know, about the moment. So um, having a lot of resources, it is good. Uh, obviously, it, Jesus is not saying it's bad. But the emphasis on give us, you know, what we need. And sometimes what we think we need is not what God thinks we need. But we need to keep that in perspective as we read in the scripture that his purpose, his will is the most important thing. Then when we come to prayer, Jesus mentioned something very important as well. Jesus said in verse 12, and forgive us our debts or our sins or our mistakes, also as we have forgiven others. So this is the only time where the scripture says that God will not listen to your prayers if you do not forgive the harm that others have done to you. It is very important to forgive. A few, um, actually a couple of years ago, I think Pastor Henry will, will probably relate. Uh, as you know, you know, a part of the history of the church. Uh, Pastor Henry was praying today about us church, you know, being like a family. And, and I was thinking, you know, about that prayer because it is so true. The church is a family. I will be very surprised if a family says, Oh, you know, we never disagree. We always agree all the time, 100%. We never argue. We never fight. I would be like, wow, that is awesome. Because families have disagreements all the time. But uh, so sometimes, you know, in the church, we hurt each other and, and things happen. But Jesus says, you know, keep working on forgiveness. And a couple of years ago, I was in a restaurant. Actually, Bobby and Tina, you know, were with me. It was a Peruvian restaurant. I recommend it if you ever want to take me out, you know, to a Peruvian restaurant. The food is really good. We were eating at this Peruvian restaurant, and it was a small restaurant, so there was not a lot of space, you know, to hide. And all of a sudden, I see this man who comes into that restaurant, and as soon as I saw him, I felt a lot of things. Because this man, uh, he m did a lot of damage to me, you know, a couple of years before in a church. He says so many negative things about me. And one time, uh, you know, he had disagreements with me. So I asked him, you know, why don't you come into my office and, and let's talk. So he came into my office. And as soon as he entered my office, he said, you don't have any recording devices right here, right? And I said, no, 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 you, you, you're free, you can sit down. So we talked. Anyways, so a couple of years after, I see him coming to this restaurant. And as soon as he saw me, it was like he's, he's seen a ghost. So he, 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 he pretended that he didn't see me, and he kept looking at the menu. He couldn't turn around anymore because, come on, we already saw each other. We know we're here. You can't just turn around, and you have to pretend that you didn't see me. So he goes, and he starts 
ordering, you know, his food. And he's like, you know, maybe five feet away from me. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, I mean, we, we're here. I mean, we can't pretend that we didn't see each other. We saw each other very well. So I stood up. I went to him. And I hugged him from his back, you know, like, just like when George hugs you, you know, his, his very strong arms. I got him from the back, and, and I told him, it is so good to see you. How are you? And he turned around, oh, pastor, you know, good to see you. And he hugged me. But then all of a sudden, something changed, and he started crying. And he said, you know, I never thought that you would ever give me a hug. Never. He started crying, and, and I said, um, you know, your, your life has always been important for me and for God. So, of course, I will give you a hug. I will give you two. So I hugged him, and, you know, ever since, we're not like cool buddies, but every time I see him, you know, we say hello. There's nothing uncomfortable about the relationship because forgiveness, forgiveness, if I don't forgive, it's very difficult for God to listen to my prayer. And then at the end, you know, Jesus teaches us to pray for our spiritual life. That we do not fall into situations or circumstances that, you know, may cause us to, to not be in a relationship with him. But then it's very, it really draws my attention how Jesus in verse 12 says about forgiveness. Then he says, and lead us not into temptation, talking about, you know, our spiritual life. But then on verse 14, Jesus says again, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is so important for God to listen and to respond to our prayers. So I don't know how your life has been. I don't know what people have done to you in the past. I don't know if you're going through something in your work. I don't know if you're going through something in your family. I don't know if I, I can tell you, let me tell you, sometimes we offend people without even knowing that we offended them. One time, a few years ago, I went to another youth camp in the, in the state of Utah. And uh, from my college, you know, we went to promote our school and we got, we got there, you know, we did some dramas and human videos. Um, the third night, well, the, the first and second night, you know, I noticed that there was a young man who, you know, when he saw me, you know, he would just turn around and wouldn't talk to me. But I didn't pay much attention because we never met. So it, it wasn't a big deal for me. You know, people uh, sometimes, you know, they just turn around and do whatever they want. But, you know, the third day... He came to me and he said, Franklin, um, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, let's, let's talk. And I thought maybe he had a prayer request or something. And he said, I need to ask you for forgiveness. And I said, really? But well, you have never done anything to me. I feel it's, everything is good. No, 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 he said. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to, to ask you for forgiveness. And I said, okay. And I said, why? Because... Ever since I saw you the first time, I hated you. I didn't like you. And I was like, really? Why? 
I, and he said, I don't know. I just didn't like you. You know, I saw you and you were like doing those dances, you know, with your college friends and, and just the way you speak and, you know, the way people talk to you. And, and, and I just felt bad because the whole day, you know, the, the first day I met you, I didn't like you, you know. Uh, in Spanish, we use this word, me caes mal, uh, to say, like, I completely dislike you. Uh, and then the second day, you know, I will see you and I couldn't stand being close to you. And God spoke to me that I needed to come and ask you for forgiveness. And I said, um, wow, I... I'm going to forgive somebody that I have never met and has never done anything to me, but I didn't know he didn't like me. So I tried to make people like me, but sometimes you fail. So I said to him, of course I forgive you. So we hug and, and you know, we uh, left in good terms. But a lot of times there will just be cases in which we just need to forgive and let it go. I want to tell you that as we continue working, you know, in the church and people start coming, we need to prepare to be people who forgive others as we grow. Um, I've shared with you a little bit about my mom. Someday you will meet her. She will come here. Um my relationship with my mom hasn't been easy. Uh, several years ago, when I was nine years old, uh, she left us. Uh, there was a civil war, you know, where in our town, and uh, she left us to come to the United States. The day my mom left, 10 p.m. at night, uh, me and my younger brother and sister were looking for her. We didn't find her, so I took my bicycle, and I went to her work her place of employment at 10 p.m. When I went and knocked on the door, the business owner comes and she freaks out that at 10 p.m. at night in a place where there's shootings and the guerrillas, you know, used to uh, recruit teenagers and kids to go and fight. Um, and she reprimanded me, you know, for being outside, but I asked her, where's my mom? She's not home. And she said, your mom? She quit this job about two weeks ago. She's not here. So I got confused, and I went back home. And when I went back home, everybody was crying. So my dad told us that my mom had moved to the United States. And I didn't see my mom for over 20 years. When I was growing up as a teenager, my prayer was, God, I want to see my mom. I want to meet my mother. You know how in schools sometimes they do like little crafts, you know, for Mother's Day. And the kids, you know, we have to present something to our moms. And my mom was not there. So what happened was my dad would show up. And my dad would be like one in front of 200 women, you know, waiting for us to give him the craft. And the day I saw my mom again, um, I remember, you know, when I came to the States, I called her. I'm going to go to Vegas to see you. And I was so excited. It, this Seeing my mom again, you know, was like a dream for me. I took the plane, and when I took the plane from Los Angeles to Vegas, I started crying in the plane. I started crying so much that the people started to surround me and asking me if I was okay, like what was wrong with me. Um, and 
And I just, you know, opened my heart and I started sharing with people my story the, about the civil war, my testimony. And, and I witnessed to people in the whole plane. I'm telling you, it, it was a whole scene, you know. I mean, like, I honestly tell you about 20 people surrounded my seat and I was crying and sharing with people, you know, about my mom, my dad, the ministry and everything. When, and people were very happy that I was going to see my mom. When I got off the plane, I saw my mom, you know, from a distance. And she was holding like a little sign that said, welcome to Las Vegas. And like in sl slow motion, I start running in the airport. <laughs> I mean, like, like a movie. And I'm like, this is my mom. I'm going to hug her. I've dreamed about this for years. And I'm running and running. My mom is not running. She's like holding the sign. She's telling me that I'm running. And I keep getting close to her and close to her. I got to tell you, my shirt was completely red. My pants were swollen. When I finally get like a couple of feet away from, from my mom, I'm going with my arms like this. And my mom says, let's go because I don't want to get a ticket. She had parked outside the airport. And the first thing after 20 years of not seeing me was, let's go because I don't want to get a ticket. And I literally stayed like this at the airport. Look at the people, you know, that were coming from the same plane, you know, looking at me. And one lady goes like. So I follow my mom, and that was like the hardest experience I have ever had in my life. But you know what? All of these years, I said, God, I have to forgive because if I don't forgive, you are not going to forgive me. And I can tell you that after praying, thinking, and the Lord's help, I was able to forgive my mom. And that's what the Lord does. When we forgive others, the doors of heaven open to bless us. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you today, Lord God, for, for this service, Lord God, for prayer. Lord God, um, you made the emphasis two times in this prayer about how important forgiveness is. You said first that if we forgive, we need to forgive our debtors just like you have forgiven our debts. And then you said, Lord God, in the last verse, that if we do not forgive others, then you are not going to forgive our sins. Lord, I pray right now that as we grow in this church with people who are different than us, people who speak different than us, people who have different backgrounds than us, people who sound different, look different, I pray, Lord God, that we will love each other that we will bring this unity, Lord God, to this church, that we will be able to forgive and that we will be able to remember when we pray, praising your beauty, your holiness, and letting your kingdom come is a priority of yours. I pray that when we pray, we will focus on your priorities, not just my priorities, but what is a priority for you. Father, I pray for any person here who has any request.
any problem, any situation, any sickness, that you heal them, Lord God, that you bless them, that you touch them. But I also pray today that if we need to forgive each other, if we need to forgive other people, that we can also forgive those who have harmed us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.